Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, presented by Pratt Miller. Pratt Miller, transforming what's possible. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Uh, okay, so some feedback we've got from episode one, and thank you very much for the people listening to episode one. I don't know who they were, but thank you. Um, we need to do an introduction to let people know who we are. So, uh, Luke, could you please introduce yourself to the folks? Yeah, hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Luke Sager. I'm so excited to be on this podcast with Brad. Um, I work at Pratt Miller Engineering. Well, sorry, Pratt & Miller, no longer Pratt Miller Engineering. Um, as a motorsports business director, um, been involved in motorsports my entire career, mostly on the engineering side. But as of late, a lot more on the business side, marketing side, sponsorship side. So learning a lot, having a really good time, um, and really having fun with this podcast, too. Thanks, Luke. Thanks very much. You're welcome. <laughs> um, my name is Brad Zimmerman. Uh, I have started with Pratt Miller uh, January this year and uh, fairly new to the organization. Uh, however, uh, in my background, I did cross paths with Pratt Miller uh, through uh, General Motors and Chevrolet. I used to work for a racing team that also competed in NASCAR and IndyCar, and that's where um, I got some visibility to Pratt Miller and kind of knew what they were all about. Uh, prior to that, I mostly came up through the motorsports ranks via marketing, experiential marketing. Back then, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, it was called event marketing. Um, that turned into experiential. That got me closer to uh, racing as a whole uh, because there was a large period of time where there's a lot of brands that are activating at track. That kind of sucked me in because I thought it was really cool creatively. And um, I just, uh, that was kind of my entry into it. So that was in, uh, in late 90s, like 99, 2000, right around there. And, um, um, you know, been in it, quote unquote, it ever since. Um, I really like racing. Uh, however, I classify myself as a bigger car fan than a racing fan. But anything having to do with cars is cool. Uh, and so here we are. Uh, uh, we are both big podcast fans. We listen to a lot of different podcasts ourselves. Uh, this endeavor is fairly new to Pratt Miller. Well, not fairly new. It is new to Pratt yep, Miller. Yeah, very new. And um, so we are... Um, uh, along with everyone listening, we are laying the groundwork for uh, an, a new way of content distribution within this company, and we hope you enjoy it. So, uh, one comment. Yep. Why did you get to do a really long intro, and mine was short? Hey, I, op opportunity knocks. Uh, you got to knock it out of the park. <laughs> I miss miss my chance. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, today is uh, May 9th, Tuesday, May 9th. Um, the previous weekend was uh, fairly abbreviated from a racing standpoint. However, there were some there was some action on track. So um, we had Formula One and NASCAR were active this past weekend. Uh, why don't we start off uh, in chronological order with Formula One? Yeah. Um, did you watch it? How much? What were your thoughts? Yeah. So um, I did not watch qualifying. Mm -hmm. um, so missed that. But there was definitely some excitement there um i, I kind of wish i did after after hearing about it um but when it came to the race i watched the pre-race pageantry which was pretty exciting did you watch that i did yeah um should we stop and pause and discuss for a <laughs> sure <moment? laughs> so a lot of a lot of hardcore 
traditional fans were not very excited about it from from what I could tell. But it definitely fit the U.S. market and yeah, and in Miami, and they did it up right. I I, I think that's that's the split and to go back to our intros you are largely engineering based yes. i'm mostly marketing based so we are going to give our commentary on these race events looking through each individual lens with engineering and marketing um i i look at it as when they when they started doing the driver intros i knew right away what the reaction would be because yeah. uh racing speaks to such a broad audience you're going to get your people that have been watching Formula One forever, and they're absolutely going to hate it. Yeah. And you're going to get your newbies, and they're like, shit, this is cool. Yeah, there's LL Cool J. That's like, right. This is awesome. That's yeah. right. And I think that intro could have been disastrous, but even though they, uh, uh, LL Cool J and Will I Am both had cards, they didn't screw up any names. And I think that would have yeah, been an even bigger bomb. And it was energetic. It was cool uh, for a new fan. You know, that's character development 101 right this is here's the person i'm reading his name that's who they are and so that was i I think it was done purely with the sole purpose of getting in front of new people and saying oh yeah that's who that is yeah so so you you contrast that to a typical espn broadcast 6 a.m in the morning you know hey here's the starting grid let's go (laughs) right Right? so so it was a lot different it was an extra half an hour i believe yeah of pageantry we'll call it um, so anyway, so I watched that. Interesting. Um, yeah, got into the race. So, so super interesting storyline because Max had a really bad qualifying, started down in ninth. Um, so there was actually a, a good plot for the race, right? Like what can Max do coming back from ninth? Um, and the other sort of twist, which, you know, from an engineering's perspective was, was really fun to watch, was Max starting off on hards and then transitioning to mediums, and then the opposite um, um, for uh, Perez starting on mediums and, and going to hards, right? So um, fast forwarding uh, through that, so that turned out pretty pretty interesting. Max went, ran very, very long, and Perez came in earlier, got his hards, and a few things. So one was they talked to Chris Horner, they interviewed him on the broadcast to talk about this. Uh-huh. And they talked about the simulations that they had run and the fact that they basically netted out to be the same and that the two would be racing with about three laps to go, Mm -hmm. right? He said that early in the race, and that's pretty much what happened, right? So, so, you know, thinking a lot about that, digging into that a bit more, um, it was a very green track. There was no rubber down. That can be uh, pretty hard on tires, right? So starting with... Uh, a hard tire to me makes sense with with a green track and also the cars start very heavy right and then they they burn down their fuel so to me the max decision made the most sense where you start hard on, on the tougher tires green track heavy car and then once the track gets rubbered in uh, the car gets lighter then you put on a, a more aggressive tire um, and, it, and that's how it kind of played out right yep. and, and max was faster at the end and won um, so, so again, from a nerdy engineering side, that that was a fun story, fun to watch. Um, and in qualifying, did they use DRS? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, no, no, no DRS in qualifying. And so Max started ninth. Yep. And I remember they interviewed Alonzo, or he said it after the race, or so, I don't know, he said it somewhere, but he, it was before the race, and he said Max is going to pass me on lap twenty-five. 
and he was wrong. He passed him on lap 15, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Yep. But it seemed that um, you know this track has a, a fairly unusually long backstretch that uh, I think they were seeing speeds of like 212, 213. And that's where most of Max was doing, or most passes by Max were happening. Yep. He'd come out of the, from underneath the freeway, open it up, uh, DRS kicks in, yep. and he's in a different world when DRS kicks oh, in. Oh, sure. So uh, from your brain, what does that tell you? Is it is it he just likes more power, or did they find something on the engineering side that just makes that car explode forward? Well, we saw, we saw last weekend that... Um, that that the Red Bulls were fast, right? Yep. Early on, they just drove around noticeably fast. Yeah, yep. drove around the Ferraris, no problem. So yep. it was the same sort of thing. So they they definitely have a power advantage or, or less drag or, or something that's noticeably noticeable over the field. Yep, and that's what we were seeing there. Yeah, and um, I think from a racing standpoint, uh, I it, I think the race could have been a lot worse. Uh, it wasn't terribly exciting, but it wasn't a snoozer. Uh, and I think having a faster car starting in the back and watching them come up through the field is is entertaining to watch. And and even though at that level, passing someone in a slow turn as you come off a straight should be textbook, but you never know when someone's going to get too close, someone's yeah. not going to see somebody, and there's a nick, and they send them off into wherever they're going to go. So I, I, th I thought it was pretty entertaining to watch. Um, the the couple things for me that I love about Formula One, no matter how good or bad the race is, no commercials here in the states. So ESPN, yeah, that's right. Uh, I think Mother's Polish had the deal before. They just renewed, and I forget who had who bought those rights and took commercials off. I don't know who that brand is. Go out and buy whatever they're selling. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> and you then very um, much. Uh, the other one, um, oh, no commercials and fifty nine laps, like. Hello, it's over in less than two hours. That's funny you say that because on social on the social media networks, um, <laughs> the social medias, the social medias <laughs> plural, um, people were bragging that the NASCAR race was still going, still going. I don't even think it hit halfway it, yet. <laughs> no, and that's what they were saying. Like it was a good thing. Yeah. So uh, I watched. I watched all of Formula One. Um, um, probably 15, 20, 30 minutes before green flag, I watched the whole race, and then I turned it off when it was over, and I picked up NASCAR. Yeah. I did not go back and forth. Right. And, you know, Kansas was 400 miles, and they were barely halfway, if that. So I'm like, oh, perfect. This is going to be the better part of the race anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that is a good point. Um, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that, and people were chatting about that. So I had a, a couple other things. Yeah. So one was... Uh, Magnuson starting fourth was super cool, mm -hmm. but he dropped down three or four, maybe more positions. He finished 10th? Right out of the gate. Did he finish 10th? Somewhere like that. So I think Chipotle, that triggered their promotion. And um, so points kick in at 10th or 8th. I can never remember their rules. Dude, I don't, I think I don't, you get I don't a, know all this. I think you get a point. You get at least one point. I thought it was 10th. 10th. So the, we may the, have to edit this stuff out too. The promotion was now that you've said that that's an option. It's going to get <laughs> it's going to cause more work for me. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, the the Chipotle promotion, which they filmed commercials and they took advantage of the guys being in the states leading up to the race, 
was basically if if uh, Haas Formula One scores a point, ev- they did. Uh, everyone, everyone, quote unquote. And I think they classified everyone as ten thousand people will get free burritos, and you have to enter through their Twitter handle and use a thing and go to a thing and click a thing to get it. Yeah. But um, so I think because I know their second car did not finish in the points. And I believe no. Magnuson was right around eighth so he, to no, tenth he was towards tenth. the end. So, yep. so Magnuson with tenth scored one point. There you go. But he <laughs> but he dropped he dropped like a rock. It was so disappointing to see, right? Yep. Like you you have that great opportunity to qualify so well, yep. and it can just disappear in a second. And and he dropped right down the field, not all the way to tenth, but he dropped several spots, and then you know. Okay, lost so why a few more. so why is that? It, uh, are just some drivers better at qualifying? Well, or is it a series of things? No. Well, the reason why he fell fell off is his start was really bad, right? Like you could visually see with the overhead uh, picture that his car just did not get off the line very yep. well, um, and he probably got a little flustered with that and maybe lost a couple others on that first lap. But um, like NASCAR, for sure, restarts are so critical within the first five laps of a start that's when who knows what percentage of, of the passing actually happens mm-hmm. we'll call it 80 percent of that run mm-hmm. um so being a good restarter um in any form of racing is so so important um and in a lot of fields they or or se- series and teams they analyze the crap out of that mm-hmm. and a key metric is you know spots gained or lost uh, right on a restart, right? Is it because if you can, it's the easiest place to make up spots. It's also the easiest place to lose spots. And so, uh, back in your NASCAR days, when you're in the thick of it, what is classified as a restart? Is it is it they wave the flag plus two corners plus three plus a lap? Well, you would look at it. You you would look at it uh, probably up to about five laps. Right? Okay, five laps. But but okay. you'd say you know the restart really is. You know, yeah, like you said, the first, yeah. you know, lap or whatever. But you're still, even within the five laps, still there's some passing that happens because you're all stacked up. Yep. So you want to kind of look at that that clump. Okay. Um, but yeah, a restart, restart. You know, you could argue is you know just the straight or yeah. through a corner or whatever. And then um, Fernando Alonso, I'm really enjoying watching him go through this part of his career because yeah. it looks like he is honestly having a ton of fun. He is. And um, I think uh, all the older drivers, no matter what series they're in, is like, see, we can still do it. Yeah. You just got to give us the stuff. Right. So so another podium for him. Fantastic. Yep. Another interesting story around that is, do you see where Stroll finished? No, I'm not a... Stroll was way down there. His teammate, right? Yep. So we always talk about F1. You're you know, the only person you can tell you're truly competing against with the same equipment as your teammate. Right. And Lance Stroll is his, and he started way back and finished way back. I can't, I can't even. There he is, oh, 12th. So, um, yeah, so you got one guy third, the other guy 12th. Yeah. Against Stroll, not, not, uh, not performing like his teammate. Yeah. And for clarification, for people that don't know, uh, Lance Stroll, his dad is Lawrence Stroll. Lawrence Stroll bought the team, so his dad owns the team. So just, just for um, clarification purposes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so again, from the the pomp and circumstance beginning of the race, Elon Musk was there. Yeah. Jeff Bezos was yes. there. 
Um, then there was Tom Cruise, Shakira, Nick Jones. No, I'm sorry, Nick Jonas, uh, Ludacris, uh, Roger Federer, the Serena or Serena and Venus Williams, yep. Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'm going to be curious to see the other two U.S.-based races, all the celebrities, and any of those people repeat, right. or if those are the East Coast celebrities yeah, yeah. that check yeah. into the race. Um, but there was a lot of firepower there from a lifestyle sure. event, and uh, yeah. Okay, so you you will love this. You ask me all the time. You know, are my kids t- tuning in? Yeah. They did not tune in, but uh-huh. when I got home Sunday, my daughter asked me if I was in Miami, and I was like, "Why do you ask that?" She's like, "Oh, there was there was a F one was in Miami." Oh, and really? I was like, how do you know that? Right? <laughs> she doesn't follow racing at all, so. Her connection is, are some quote unquote influencers that she follows. Uh, I guess okay. makeup influencers yep. went to Miami uh-huh. for the F one race. So so she actually was aware that a race happened. Yep. So, that's how it works. Right. It's um it's really difficult to quantify, but that's how it works. Yeah. And um those of you with kids with kids under the age of fifteen Ask them these questions when it comes to motorsports because that will tell you whether something is working or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the ratings came out uh, a couple hours ago. Um, so last year, Formula One in Miami, uh, 2022, got a 1.3 rating and 2.58 million people. This year, this actually shocked me a little bit. This year is down to 0.90, 1.64 million people. And I th- I made a comment on, I think, link- LinkedIn last week or two weeks ago. I think just kind of watching an American sporting audience or sports audience, no matter what the sport is, the audience will very quickly grab onto something and love it and just as fast they'll walk away from it mm. for whatever reason and i and i don't this is just a one weekend occurrence or you know a year over year occurrence but i'm going to keep an eye on that cuz that's quite a drop from one year to the next yeah well i mean last year's numbers were really high right it was yep. it was the most Debut watched event. Yep. most watched f1 race in the united states i believe is, is a correct uh, statistic on yep. that um but like we've seen year over year in F1, you know they have been growing 20% a year, what have you. This year they're plateaued. Um, so if you would have asked me before what I would guess they would come in at, I would I would have said a number like this, honestly, right? Because it's bigger than the other F1 races because they're at 6 a.m. in the morning and they're making a big to do that it's in Miami. Um, I knew it was gonna not hit last year's numbers because it was a quote unquote new event. So I, this is where I would expect it to be, maybe a bit lower even. And the other thing to point out is that this was on ABC. ABC, yep. This was on the big network, which has a bunch of people, and that's still not a very flattering number no. that they got. And uh, other sports that they were competing against, you know, there was NASCAR. Um, yep, they were head up, I mean, within 10 minutes of each other. Yep. Was, it, was there any... Uh, that's playoff basketball, but they. I think the basketball games were early and later in the day, so I think and the they're. NHL. Yeah, playoffs, I don't watch hockey. Yeah, I don't know. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I I think it was a good second event um, for Miami. I think the the racing was was all, almost okay, but not terrible. 
Um, you know, the other thing I saw some of the the F1 drivers during the entrances when they're calling them out by name, they were all wearing their suits, fire suits, and then they had their cool suits underneath, and most of them hadn't zipped up yet, so lost lost time for logo placement on the screen. Yep. But there was a handful of guys that were complaining about having yep. to stand there for half hour in that. the heat, I heard, yep. which uh, we might go off on a little tangent here, but Landon Castle last week posted something on Twitter about saying how versatile NASCAR drivers are, and just the thunder came down on him because you know there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions and i i think his intention was good but i i think it missed the mark and so it causes huge firestorm of which drivers are the most versatile but the comments that some of the f1 guys made about having to stand a half hour in the heat yes is laughable i was following <laughs> that and and there was a nascar driver that chimed in <laughs> on that and that and had a heyday with it i can't, I can't i wish i had that um but i can't remember who it was but yeah someone definitely yeah called them out on that it's just that's laughable um yeah. but you know i i think overall it was good uh the the only thing i've seen so far is for next year for the third event they're talking about making it a night race mm. and uh you know i'm neither here nor there on that i think i think if you have a night race you know do you move it to saturday and then like really have a miami night race and not turn the lights off basically for a whole weekend yeah uh because i think it's a pretty vibrant party scene now and i think it only goes up from there if they have it at night yeah no i think that makes sense for them you know especially given the heat and 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 things like that that could be a a really fun option for them yeah is um vegas a night race i believe it is right uh i think so Yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah, I, I think going to night race is a is a good idea for yep. sure. Um, Formula One going once, going twice. Um, no, I'm good. All right. So uh, F1 ended. NASCAR was already going. They started roughly head to head, and uh, that is done completely on purpose. Um, the uh, uh, ESPN. Oh, that's interesting. ESPN paid. I think the first several years they they broadcast the F1 races on ESPN they bought it for like millions few 10 whatever millions their new deal was 255 million dollars okay. for the rights to broadcast formula 1 yep. formula uh, the way that broadcast is um, is different from NASCAR where uh, formula 1 the entity goes into a track with all of their cameras all of their announcers they broadcast it they shoot it it goes up to a satellite and then that satellite shoots the signal to all the people that have paid to receive the signal and put it on their TVs yep. and they have the ability to either show it as is or turn the volume down and then have their announcers talk over it yeah so um, which I th- I mean personally I think NASCAR needs to look at that model a lot but they paid 255 uh, for the rights which is a lot less than what Fox and NBC are paying for individually for NASCAR. And they're going head to head with them on purpose because they're trying to take away the motorsports audience. So I thought that was an interesting competition Mm. uh, from a marketing standpoint, because most uh, maybe very casual fans will realize that those are competing networks and they're, and if they're a motorsports fan, like, Hey, why can't you have one start here and one start there? We can watch them both. But if, if I'm ESPN and, and, and you're NBC, I'm going after your throat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's kind of why wow. they start at the same time. So they they were at Kansas. It was 400 miles. Um, was it, this was a Bubba Wallace win from last year? I think was that did he win the spring race last year? 
Um, either way, I, it was a Toyota that won. Uh, when, when I flipped it on, there was quite a bit of Toyota logos towards the top of the board. Yeah, they started off super strong. Yeah. And um, I uh, I think it was a good race from what I saw, which was a little bit before halfway all the way to the end. I think it was a really good race. Yeah, a lot of cautions, but yes. Yep. Um, I heard and read uh, tire deg was uh, a little over a second a lap, which uh, that's something the drivers have been yelling for uh, is to have the tire fall off. So they actually have to drive the car. Um, there were passes for the lead. There were passes mid-pack. There was a lot of action going on. Um, and I, if I'm NASCAR, I'm I'm probably not asking for a better outcome than what happened. Yeah, no, I agree. So, so first of all, Kurt Busch, Kurt my, Busch. My, my fat check, fact checker, checker here told me. I got the right team. Yeah, <laughs> you're close. Um, <laughs> one last year. Yeah, so I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. Um, so that track's got variable banking, um, and these cars don't handle very well in, in the wake of, of each other. So what you would see is they would go into the corner, they would all spread out, um, and, and it makes for pretty exciting television, right? Explain um, variable banking. So as you move up the racetrack on the closer to the outside wall, the angle of the track increases, and there's more banking. Um, so because the distance you travel is less along the bottom of the track than the top of the track to be able to go around the corner in the same amount of time you have more distance to travel on the outside so you have to go faster so if you increase the banking you you, you have the ability to to go around quicker and so here's something i had never known and i still don't know i need your help so when they say Kansas is a mile and a half, where yeah. are they measuring that from? The apron, oh, the, the middle, or the top? That's a good question. I think it's, it, well, good question. Yeah, I don't know. I we're don't, we're going to need to table that and figure that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. It might be the racing line. I doubt it, though. I'm guessing it's the line around the middle. Yep. I kind of figure it's around the middle, too. Uh, yeah, cause, and that really comes into play in super speedways where you'll watch their outlap is down low uh, to keep temperature from building. And then the second lap, they go up high to unwind the engine and get as most RPM out of it as possible. And then by the time it gets a little bit past temperature, they, they cut it off anyway. So I, um, that, I, I think that is something that you can see visually and it, it happened quite a bit in kansas the, the racing going on you know low line high line um but there's there's a lot of physics and science going on behind that and even yep. though it looks like a car may have an edge through the corner when they exit the corner it's a different story exactly yep yeah so i thought that that was you know entertaining uh mike joy kept commenting that you know this is a first it was the most passes ever or most lead changes <laughs> ever seen yeah. at Kansas, then it became yeah. the most lead changes ever at a mile and a half on a 400-mile race. He was yeah. very specific. Yeah. And well, so I I did think it was he was just a little over top with how proud he was of how great these statistics were. Well, also keep in mind, uh, there is someone in his ear screaming that and yeah. feeding that yeah. information to him. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he's come up recently because there's been another podcast that's calling out NASCAR and how they, they calculate these passes. Right. And um, I, I think, are, are, are cars passing each other the way NASCAR counts them? Yes. Are they real world passes? Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. But I think the only thing that matters, and you know, he said, this is the most passes, blah, blah, blah. 
I think the only thing that matters, and like when I when I find a clip from MotoGP and people are like, oh my God, this, this battle is awesome, and I watch it. Um, I don't know how many bikes start on MotoGP. The only thing in the clip are two motorcycles. Yeah, you're right. And they're fighting tooth and nail, and it almost looks like they're on the track by themselves because you can't see anybody exactly. else. Exactly, yeah. And that has exactly happened with Kansas. Almost exactly. You have... You have Denny Hamlin, who ended up winning. You have Kyle Larson, who is a generational talent. Yep. Like him or not, the kid is fast. The other thing that doesn't get talked about enough is how yawed out he was when he hit the wall, and he still finished second to yeah. not well, totally should, wreck the we car. We should talk about the finish because that was exciting. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, um, I don't know, this is, uh, it's it's a really big deal, and I think people need to realize that when, when you hear the phrase good racing, it doesn't need to mean doesn't need to equal a bunch of passing. It needs to be good racing. Yeah. And that can happen point. with two cars. You're right. Yep. All right, break break down the last thirty or forty laps, which is basically their duel. Um well I was gonna skip to like Or the very end. Eight laps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, anyway, I, you know, I don't think we have to go super crazy deep into it, but I, I thought it was really good, hard racing at the end. Um you know there was some controversy if 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 Denny did something he shouldn't right at right at the end. I I watched that a few times. I feel pretty good with how Denny drove that race. Yep. Um, I, you know, Kyle, in my opinion, Kyle was up into the wall and came back down a little, and it's still even pretty unclear if they even did make contact. And if it they did, it was kind of more accidental than yep. than forced. Um, so I thought it, I thought it was great racing, and and you know always the check there is Kyle Larson in his post race interview, which was hilarious by the way because he got interrupted <laughs> with the fight. It was um, so good. He, I mean, he was cool cool as a cucumber. He he yeah. he was like that. You know, he was good with it. So if he if if the guy that got that Rex is good with it, you know, yeah, it's. Everybody's it's, it's fine. clean. Yeah. yeah, I I I think there was a slight touch, but I would agree it it, it wasn't something that changed the outcome of it. Right. And um, I I believe the few laps leading up to that, you can see Larson losing traction as he was entering and exiting. Yeah. The car was just really twitchy and yawing out a little yeah. bit. So I think he knew he was he was going to breathe down his neck. Yeah. And um, when the incident happened again. Um, he was almost 45 degrees nose into the wall. And instead of going, continuing that circle or overcorrecting and going the other way and then going sliding down on the wall, he doesn't freak out, points the car straight, finishes second. Yeah. Which was like, you know, when he raced in uh, Chicago against um, uh, Kyle Busch. Yeah. And uh, went through the grass and everything else, lost the race, but still finished like on you know fourth or fifth or something like that after having a great duel. And he had a similar post race. He's like, this, this is what it's all about. Yeah, that was. They was, live. They live for that it was stuff. Some good driving, some good racing, and, and yep. it's cool to see Denny won. He hasn't won for a really long time. Yeah, I think this said almost a year or close to a year. I yeah, think. So, so that was that was good. It's good. A good race. Um, yeah, I, I do have. One thing I found a, a little annoying before we get into the fight. Yeah. Um, do you notice how many driver commentator commentators they have now? Yeah. 
What, what are your thoughts on that? It's too much. It's a little overkill, I thought. I think they're auditioning. I, yeah. th- I think there's going to be major changes coming up at the either at the end of this season or at the end of next season when the new TV deal comes across. Yep. Um, I, uh, I, I like Mike Joy. I, I think there's people that don't like him, and I think because he's, he's just older. Yep. Uh, I think uh, that the, uh, further along back in the day, not too long ago, Daryl Waltrip, I think he got the boot because he was too old. And could he still go? Eh, I don't know. Yeah, was he much a ham? Yes. But I think they're with these few guys retiring, Kevin Harvick's going in the booth. Um, I still think you have Jamie McMurray waiting in the wings because I think uh, he would be phenomenal. Uh, I think they're giving Boyer a chance to see if he can go long-term or if it's short-term. I love Tony Stewart, but I don't think he has the time, or nor does he want to go do every race. Yeah, it's a lot. So uh, Logano's been up there a bunch of times. Um, I, th- I think they're going through a live audition to see like what the final pairing will be yeah. or group. Um, so that that would be that makes my, sense. my take on that. Because there's a, a lot, I, I felt. <laughs> yeah. so. So then, uh, the I, it was actually mid race. It was definitely I was I saw it, so it was a little bit past halfway. But Ross Chastain, the one, mm-hmm. is in it again. Yep. Um, but I think uh, Ross gets a total pass on this one. Uh, he crowded, but did not touch the forty-two. I think uh, going in the middle of one to two, and then exiting two. Um, I think Ross lost a little traction and pushed up the track, but did not touch the 42, squeezed him a little bit and made his exit like one lane. Mm. Um, and then uh, they exited. Uh, Noah thought that was a little tight. And as they were exiting, Noah came down on the one to give him a little door to say, what are you doing? And I believe that was, that's been brewing since Talladega or something they had. Well, yes. So, we talked about this in in our first podcast that yep. that is not available to the public. Um, <laughs> but basically, what we talked about is like I, I could see something fun brewing between Ross yeah. and Noah because they're both young, hungry, you know, yeah. uh, just put it all out there type of guys. And it's like this could be this could be interesting. Yeah. Well, it's getting interesting, and it and it played out. It played out for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, um, I, I mean, I also think it's funny. Uh, for those of you that don't know who the Three Stooges are, you should go look up Three Stooges <laughs> because Noah lost a bed last week or something, and so he gave himself a bowl haircut. I was wondering. I had no idea, but... Yeah, yeah. so I think it was with Austin Dillon. I don't know. <laughs> but so he gets out of his car in Kansas. He's hot. He goes and finds Ross. Ross finishes, finishes a TV interview. Camera crew walks away. Noah walks over there and gets in his face and starts flipping at him. Yep. And he takes another step forward, and Ross is, like, trying to have a conversation, and then Noah grabs one hand fire suit, and then the other hand was, like, Ross's hand or something like that. And Ross, two times, said, stop it. And, you know, ruffling up, ruffling up, hands still full of fire suit, out of nowhere, like a lightning bolt, Ross cold cocks Noah in the side of the head. <laughs> it looked funny because with his haircut and them fighting, they like the Three Stooges. Yeah. But out of nowhere, pops him in the head, and Noah had one in the chamber, 
and the friggin' security guards yeah, jump in. Jump, yeah, he didn't get it. He didn't get one. If off. I'm the track promoter or NASCAR, I'm firing all those bozos <laughs> that jump in to stop a fight. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, they broke it up before it, before anything happened. The security guard literally jumped in front of the of the throw of the cocked arm. And he blocked it with the security guard's whole body. Yeah. And they broke it up immediately. No penalty, which I think is fine. And they pushed him away. While they were breaking him apart, I thought it was classic. Ross was smiling, and he had his hands up, like, wide open, like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I thought it was awesome. Well, listen, what I think was even better is Kyle Larson <laughs> trying to do his post-race yeah. interview. Yeah. When this is going on, and he's like, "Oh, this this is interesting." Yeah, because he was a little grumpy when he got out of his car, and he was talking. He was giving an interview, but out of the out of the side of his his uh, sight, he was watching the monitor they have yeah. on the post. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, oh, what do we have here?" <laughs> and just started laughing because, and then they cut right, to, or they did a split screen yeah. and cut to it. I, I thought so that was good. really good. That was beautiful. <laughs> but um, I think. Uh, Ross has been in a lot of controversy, obviously, lately. Uh, I think from a t- uh, much like Kyle Larson handled the last race, how you handle policing yourself without, you know, getting into danger. I think Ross handled himself exactly how you should textbook case of, of how to handle yourself. Uh, it was not an egregious thing that happened on the track. You had a hothead driver come over. Um, you were not the aggressor. You told him to stop. You popped him in the head and you walked away clean. Yep. I think that's the perfect way yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he, although he's aggressive and, and whatever, he's pretty calm and collected, you know, yeah. how he carries himself. Yeah. He, he, he's in control of himself. Yeah. I, um, so at the team I used to work for, he raced for us in Xfinity. Uh, what you see on television when the driver helmet is off is what you get. He's very calm and collected, nice guy. Yep. Um, that's exactly what you get. So I, I think he's he's pretty honest, and he's he's in a position where earlier in his career, from a funding standpoint, he got screwed a couple times. For sure. So he's really trying to plant his flag and make sure he never has a problem with funding going forward. Yeah, no, he's doing a good job. So NASCAR ratings came out as well. Um, so last year, they got a rating of 1.43, and it was 2.337 million people. This year, uh, 1.35 on the TV rating and 2.352 million people. So um, uh, I wouldn't call it flat, but it's it's not a crater, but it's definitely down year over year. Last year, it was on Fox Sports 1, which you're going to have a smaller audience anyway, so that's that's not the greatest. Um, the small win between the two is, is NASCAR beat Formula 1 here in the States. Um, but again... I would really like to see at least flat, uh, if not a little uptick. Uh, now the trick is we'll see if good racing and good out or you know at track rumblings help build momentum into the next race, yeah. which is usually a, a very beloved race with the Darlington throwback stuff. So just thinking this year, motorsports overall, TV ratings. I mean, I would say we're kind of flat, right? Yeah, f- yeah, yeah. Overall, yep. I mean, nothing's in, in, in between IndyCar, NASCAR, Formula One. The only big change we've seen from yes, 
last year is a dip in Miami. Everything else has been pretty much flat. So, right. So the right. story so far is yeah, flat, but yep. Miami's down. Yeah, and and Formula One, they are in an interesting spot again because they they've come in with a ton of thunder. Uh, coming off of COVID and the drive to survive and all the momentum that that built up and everyone was watching it because they didn't really have much else to do. They parlayed that momentum into what you're seeing now. So the next step is to parlay the actual event and the racing and keep that going forward. Yeah, that's a good So they good they have a lot to lose because they they uh, they came in quick. And I, and again, I, I think it can go away just as quickly. So we'll, we'll, um, we'll have to see about that. All right. Um, I've got some off-track topics. <laughs> All right, far away. So I really want to talk about the uh, Sponsorship United report. Okay, yeah, yeah. Report. Yep. Um, so for those of you who don't know who Sponsorship United are, um, this is a company that has a, a software product and analytics around sponsorship in all forms of uh, sport. Yep. Um, they're, they track the number of deals and what sports they are um, and a lot of good analytics around um, that. So they issued a yearly motorsports report uh, came out a week or so ago. Yep. Um, as we're subscribers, we got uh, access to it. Uh, and there's a, a few pretty interesting takeaways from my perspective that, yep. that I thought would be fun to talk about. Yeah, go for it. Um, so top of my list is the large growth growth in uh, PSAs for drivers. Mm -hmm. PSAs are personal... Service uh, agreements. Service agreements, yep. Yep. So basically individual sponsorship. Yep. Uh, Sponsorship United is claiming those are up 84% uh, in 2023... Whatever year they're... Whatever their year-to-year is versus last year. Yep. 84%. That's a huge number. Makes total sense. Uh, from a team standpoint, that pisses me off. Right. But if I take a step back, it makes total sense because what the brands are going after are their audiences. Yep. And the quickest way to their audience is to go straight to the, the athlete. Yeah. Period. So, again, right. So I think the, the, what enables that is social media, right? So, it's all social media. Yeah. Yep. So, so these guys can now have a conversation with their fan base seven days a week yep. through social media and get uh, brand exposure. That's right. Um, where when racing's yep. you know twiddling their thumbs. Right? Yeah. So uh, I am I am familiar with um, uh, in in my past we have usually given our drivers the ability to do PSA deals and then put brands on their helmet. Like we allow the driver to own their helmet, and the team will own the car, the fire suit, the truck, the pit equip, everything else. Um, and we would allow the drivers to own their helmet as long as it didn't prevent or present a conflict with any current sponsor. So we allow them to do PSAs. That's money that goes directly into their pocket. Whether it's the helmet or not, that's a fairly um, not unusual uh, relationship between a team and a driver. Yep. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty straightforward. And again, this is you will see the drivers, and I, I remember seeing that slide a little bit. I didn't analyze it, but the amount of deals. Uh, there's a couple people on that list that were like Xfinity drivers that don't uh, that don't have full time rides. So that was the the number of deals. Yep. Yeah, and that was um, oh, I've got it up here. Who who was that? It was someone someone not Ryan Vargas. 
No, it was. Let me pull. I'll pull that up as we talk here. Yeah. I've got that somewhere. But I, so I newly follow the founder of Sponsor United on LinkedIn. And when he, I found that report through a link he posted on LinkedIn on his profile. And he basically said that he was not into racing at all, uh, uh-huh. personally or professionally. And they started crunching the numbers and doing a report, you know, leading into May. I'm assuming leading into May because this is the racing month. And uh, he's, he made comments that he was really shocked on the amount of deals total the uptick in deals and what the amount was uh, financially, what that meant to the yeah. category. Okay, I found it. So you were, you were looking at most endorsed drivers as it turns the number of brand endorsements. Yeah. Anthony Alfredo, 31 deals. Yep. And then Ryan Vargas second with 26 deals. And yep. that's ahead of Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, uh, Jeb. So yep. that's that's number of de- deals and that. Yep. That makes sense. These guys get yeah. a lot of smaller and Anthony deals, Alfredo and Ryan deals. Vargas, they're hustling themselves. Um, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, those guys have people that do that for them. Um, so it makes sense that the people that they're putting in the work, either directly or indirectly, are, get, are making on that list. Yeah. And um, uh, most of the drivers that I have worked with, the PSAs that they have had are usually just their buddies or it's someone that was maybe a sponsor of them when they were a kid and they just decide to stick with them. But most of the drivers I work with have not put the effort into trying to get those PSA deals. They're just focused on right. driving a car. Yeah. Okay. Next yeah. Next big takeaway. Yeah. On the most engaging drivers, we oh. have Haley Deegan. Was she eighth? Eighth. Yeah. Okay. So this list, 10 people... Of these 10 people, nine are F1 drivers. Yeah. <laughs> and out of nowhere comes Haley Deegan yeah. in eighth. Right? That's how she's making her money. Uh, she uh, she is turning out not to be a person that usually runs up front. So, therefore, you can't really sell her on her performance. But I think social media combined, she's in the low millions. I think I think on YouTube, I think she has like six hundred thousand just on YouTube. It's so I, I looked around a little bit. It seems like um, Instagram is her. Yeah. I don't have TikTok, so maybe TikTok too. But Instagram think, yeah. had, had had a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah, she is not uh, setting the world on fire on the racetrack. Yeah. So she's yeah. been in. I looked this up. She's been in truck since uh, two thousand twenty. Um, racing now she's racing good equipment she's racing thor cars that i yep. believe have won a truck championship yep she has four top tens in yep. four years yeah okay so not not doing amazing things on the track yep. but obviously doing amazing things off the track because that's crazy yeah she's engaging uh i th- uh, i haven't i haven't really paid attention to her uh, I think she popped up on my radar maybe late last year or maybe October of last year, if I remember, where she was she got into a weird thing with like a stalker on social media and it was getting a little weird. Oh wow! Um, so she um, she unfortunately she is a she and she's a good looking she, so she has to put up with a lot of garbage on social media. Yeah, I bet. And I think it was getting a little too real, so she may have pulled it back. Um, so that's that's unfortunate. My my critique for her is when she came into the sport, I think she had the personality, she had the looks, and probably had the tools in her to become her own personality. And I think there was a lot of 
this is my dad, Brian Deegan. And I think that was the wrong foot to start off on. Yeah. So the, who is a, a motocross uh, yep. X Games uh, yep. superstar? He was one of yep. the key athletes that created the X Games. Um, did a lot of um, uh, trick racing, motocross racing, um, borderline daredevil. He raced cars, motorcycles. Uh, he, I think he's died at least once on the table. Um, just uh he's from nebraska he lives uh yeah he lived he moved to california early on and then i think they have a home where they're full-time here in north carolina now okay um and um he's an interesting character to say the least but he's also a big character and i i think he was always in her shadow when she was starting to get on television and i'm not sure that was the right move Mm. okay um one more from the report yep uh, most followed drivers uh, ranked by total number of followers. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton, 45 million, is in first. Yep. Max Verstappen, distant, distant second, 15. <laughs> yeah. So Lewis just owns it. Yeah. Right? Well, Ronaldo, I think, is the number one followed person in the world on, on Instagram. I think he's like 455 million. My gosh. And then Messi was like right behind him. Wow. So, um, yeah, when you put it in terms of uh, proper football, um, huge, nothing. huge gap. Yeah. Huge gap. So, yeah, I really found the gap between the two pretty interesting. Yeah. Right? I mean, Max Max has been a big deal now for, for a couple of years. You think yeah. you'd be starting to knock on Lewis's door, but definitely not creating the, the same amount of attention as, as uh, Lewis is. Yeah, Lewis... I followed him for a while, and he's one of the first motorsports guys, well-known motorsports guys, that I actually started to unfollow or did unfollow. Um, it, it was a little odd, you know. Um, you know, I will never be able to relate to him as an athlete or what his lifestyle is like when he steps out of the car and does his normal day-to-day stuff. But um, I, I remember vividly the, the image where I unfollowed him, where he was standing on top of the fuselage of his jet uh, s- saying, I'm very blessed or something like that. And oh I, I, I had to unfollow it. I just, I couldn't take it. <laughs> I like how you said that. Fuselage. <laughs> fuselage. That's right. So yeah, say I, that ten times. I fast. know. So I, I had to, I had to cut him off, and and I, I know a lot of people have the same sentiment about him. It's, it's just a little it's, too much. It's a little too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, we get it. You know, you date gorgeous people, and you have a bunch of money, and you drive race cars and stuff. But well, forty-five million people <laughs> don't think follow. it's too much. Right. <laughs> so. Um, and then so my thing to throw in there is I finished. Uh, the first episode of 100 Days to Indy. Oh, good. Okay. It it got a little better, but again, like that's that's what they do, yep. you know. So they report on racing. Um, uh, so I watched the second episode. Yep. I watched the whole second episode. So I watched the second one last night. Too. Way more yep. engaging. Okay. And I think uh, Pato Award is the type of person that wants to be in the spotlight. Uh, you can tell from the episode he comes from money. I don't know where it comes from, but he is uh, not a poor kid. Uh, as he was driving a uh, Kid Cobra on a runway, which was probably like a fly-in type community, it looked like. 
Uh, there was a Piper Cub in the back that looks like it had been restored. Yeah. Um, they, him and his buddies, rode uh, dirt bikes to go have lunch within this community. Yeah. They just, you know, there was a buffet already out, and then they left. Um, and then he uh, went to a go kart to go race one of his nephews or cousins or whatever. So the the kid leads a life. Yeah. Which that's great. Like, and and he and he's not afraid to. Um, uh, be in front of the camera so right off the bat the second episode for me was like okay now now i'm engaged yeah so so i i agree i like the pato feature the, yeah you know he, that was cool yeah um there wasn't i besides that i didn't think it was that great yeah an episode again um again not really developing like a real real plot yeah you know it, an individualized base plot as to what's going on in their world and what they're fighting for sort of thing. Yeah, I don't I don't think unless the person they feature in future episodes takes bull by the horns and says like really gets in depth about what they're trying to do, I think what we're seeing is going to be just a step and repeat, but they're just going to put in a different driver. Yeah, and that's what 1 to 2 was, right? Yep. Just to yep. uh, intro some drivers and then you show a race. Yeah, whereas Drive to Survive was they captured the season. Yeah. They brought back all the footage and then they I'm sure they had a team of people watch it and pick out the stories. Yeah. And then they start to build the characters, and then they go back to those characters and say, "Okay, you did this, this, and this. How did this make you feel?" And boom, that's how that's that's I'm, I think that's how Drive to Survive did it. Whereas 100 Days to Indy is just basically we're going to send a camera crew to your house for a weekend, do normal shit, and we'll capture it. Yeah, and that's exactly what it looks like. So yeah, so again, like you said, it's it's 100 Days to Indy. It's obviously about Indy. They're obviously trying to build it all up to like okay the 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 big show is going to be the indy 500 and these are the characters and and so on and so forth um so yeah a a different tact um again i do i do think their coverage of the race is great yeah i think it's fun to watch the race that way i think how they tell the story of the race is really good um so so kudos uh for that i would say yep um yeah, so I think uh, for only having two major races on the weekend, I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty entertaining. Um, and I think Formula One, uh, I think they still have some work to do, but they have great momentum. Um, uh, I, I think NASCAR, uh, they usually have a hard time putting two good races together. They have a good one as a foundation right now. I think they. I think it's up to them to build off of it, and I think – the Darlington weekend with the throwback stuff at a track that everybody loves and the tires don't stand a chance there. I think they could put two races together, hopefully. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, this coming week, uh, Darlington on cup, um, Indy is the, uh, Indy GP, That's which right. is the road course at IMS. Um, uh, formula one is off until Monaco. So the end of the month, um, IMSA is racing on mother's day in Laguna Seca and WEC is off till Le Mans. Yeah, so, uh, so I believe there's a Italian Grand Prix before Monaco now. Oh, is there? I thought I looked on the schedule. I don't know. It could be. That was an awful big gap from what I saw. Uh, so here's, here's another point. I went to the F1 website to look at that. The way they laid their schedule out, not easy to follow. There's, it's like, give me like an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't need all your graphics in there. All of them do that, honestly. Yeah. 
NASCAR sites like that. Here I'm looking. They need to quick. they need to have a button you push that goes to your phone that populates your calendar. You don't need to keep looking back and forth. But I digress. Yeah. So um, Italian Grand Prix this coming weekend, twenty first. So that is the so the weekend before the week Monaco. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My bad. Um. Yeah. So the other thing to note is so right after that uh, the IndyCar road course race yep. it starts 500 yep. practice uh, on the Tuesday following. So yep. we are right on the precipice of... It's a big uh, word. It is. It's a very engineering word. I had to keep up with your fuselage. Fuselage. <laughs> um, so, so usually by now they'd already be yep. doing all kinds of crazy stuff at Indy, but now they've condensed it quote unquote to two weeks which is still forever yep. and then starting that week they have like all afternoon practices basically yep. uh, for three days in a row or what have you before before qualifying so that's gonna get hot here uh, really quick yeah we're gonna maybe in the next couple of weeks we're gonna have to have Indy 500 only focused podcast to go through that because that that event is unbelievable and still and it still has pulling power and uh, I just think it's really cool. And I, th- being motorsports people, I think we're fortunate to have um, that within our industry. So, all right. Anything else? I am great. <laughs> Perfect. You have a lovely day. Thank you.